0: Okay, cool, we're good to go. Alright, so hello, more formal introduction. Um, My name is Amit, Uh, I'm a senior in the business school at Rutgers right now, Uh, and currently I have my own company, which is why I'm not becoming a doctor right now, uh, which is, (laughs) called MBM Communications Um, so MBM Communications is a communications consulting firm that helps other uh, companies organizations people learn how to better effectively communicate so I've been reaching out to a ton of organizations on campus to like come do these free workshops really because I think I have a unique perspective on public speaking that's a little bit different than most people Um, and it doesn't really have to do with like a lot of the the basic stuff you see about public speaking like how to use your hands body movement your vocal inflection all that stuff is super important but there's a little bit more of a philosophical twist that I take on it that I think is interesting um, and unique enough to get you guys to care. Quick uh, credentials, I was the third best speaker in Croatia, ninth best speaker in Slovenia, first best speaker in Texas, California, New York, New Jersey, uh, Florida, Georgia, and, Te- and I already said Texas, and Texas. Um, so I don't say any of that to brag but I do say that I did speech and debate in high school and I won a lot of awards and I traveled around the world in public speaking competitions and I think you really get those awards and get those results and accolades when you recognize you have an inner voice, and you've recognized how to utilize that inner voice in a way that actually gets something done, and that sort of is the process of communication. Hello. Um, so today's public speaking workshop the goal at the end of this workshop is I want you all to leave with something tactile that you can tangibly use in the communication strategies that you invest in uh, coming forth in the things that you guys need to do the biggest thing that the eboard told me you guys need help with as health professionals is um, how to better interview and how to deal with interview like stress and management and like just better communicate your side of the story in that exchange of dialogue so that the interview actually goes well and that you get what you want so in the future when I'm dying, you guys can save me. So I feel like this is a good transition of like exchange. I'm gonna help you get the job that's gonna eventually save me when I'm on uh, my deathbed. So hopefully that will all work out. So this story starts uh, in the summer of 2018. So this is two years ago, I was 20 years old. Uh, I was in my house and for some reason it was 3 a.m. and I decided to watch Cosmos on Netflix. I don't know if any of you guys know what Cosmos is, but it's like this, Neil deGrasse Tyson has this like, He's an astrophysicist and he has this seductive voice about how he talks about space and the planets. So he starts talking and he goes into this rant about space and planets. I think I'm on like episode three. And then he says something really interesting that triggered the next two years of how I understand speaking, communication, and the nature of our existence in relationship to the fact that we're going to die. And he said the sun, everybody knows what the sun is, right? The sun is going to burn out one day. And he said that and I looked, I paused, I paused the Netflix, I just I looked up, I was like, well that can't be good for us, right? Like if the sun burns out, because like the the sun gives light, that gives photosynthesis, those plants create oxygen, and then we consume that oxygen. So when he said that, I was like, Okay Neil, so when is this gonna happen? Because like if we wake up tomorrow and there's no sun, I'm just like that wasn't part of the deal. Like the sun was supposed to be there. So he said we have four billion years. So I was like, all right, cool. Bad. So we have four billion years until the sun burns out. The reason I bring that up is because when he said the sun was going to burn out, I realized that I knew I was going to die, right? And I think we all know in this room we're going to die, right? It, like, no one forgot about that part, right? So we're all going to die. When he said the sun was going to burn out one day, that means the sun, that's just another star. That's all it is. It's just a big star. You feel like a million Earths in the sun. The sun's going to burn out, and that means as soon as the sun burns out, un- unless we've colonized another planet, Earth is gone, right? Like, there's no way Wait for Earth to be survived. Like in seconds, as soon as the sun is gone, Earth's going to be gone. So that led me to realize, well, hmm, I'm going to die, my family's going to die, my friends are going to die, all the people I love and care about are going to die. And then on top of that, the entire Earth is going to die. So at that moment, at 3 a.m. in my house and in the summer of 2018, it was like July, I just woke up, or like I, I got up and I was just like... This is kind of crazy, and it was the first first time I became conscious of the nature of my mortality. And I think we're all conscious of the fact that we're going to die in our mortality, but we don't really confront it on an everyday basis, right? Like we don't wake up in the morning, brush our teeth, and we're like, you know, I'm going to die one day. Like that's just not what happens. We get through the day-to-day tasks and keep death at the end of our mind because we think we have so much time away from it so that we can get through the day-to-day tasks that we have. At that moment, I realized that there's two doors. And these two doors are pretty scary, but nonetheless, they're two doors. The first door is that nothing matters because I'm gonna die, my friends are gonna die, family's gonna die, loved and cared ones are gonna die, the son's gonna die, therefore, nothing matters. Everything's gonna die, therefore, nothing matters. The second door, which is the door I walk through, that I implore all of you to walk through, but it, and it's scary to pick this door to walk through because you have to get out of the mental trap of the second door, which is that nothing matters, is that because nothing matters, Everything matters. So because we are all going to die, because the sun's going to die, because nothing is going to exist at one point, then that means that there has to be some level of meaning and purpose to these like measly little 80 years out of 13.8 billion years on the total time spectrum of the universe that we have. And as of recent events, right, Rip, Kobe Bryant, like in 41 years, he's lived more lifetimes than more people. It's taken away in an instant, in a second. So it's like we have a very small amount of time on this earth to actually give something meaningful to the world world actually make something meaningful of our lives, and you can either choose to walk through the negative door, which is that nothing matters, so nothing matters, or that nothing matters so that everything matters. So I, I picked that door, thankfully, and once I picked that door, I realized, okay, Nothing matters, but everything matters. Which means I'm like a ticking time bomb, basically, and it's, it's eventually gonna blow up, it's gonna be over. So what saves you from realizing that because nothing matters, everything, what gives everything matters purpose? How do we define and contextualize purpose and meaning in that context? And I came to the conclusion, now I told you I, I did a lot of public speaking and debating in high school and I won a lot of awards, I came to the conclusion that at, that there's mortality, there's death, and the only thing that saves us from death is this idea of communication, and that's sort of where we get into the talk today. Communication seems to be the basis for how we get anything done in a society, meaning if you want to sell a car to someone in order to sell them that car so that you can get a commission and make some money and move on with your life and feed your, feed your family, you need to be able to say stuff that gets that car to be sold and get move on with your life. If you guys want to get a job at a hospital or a grad school or wherever, whatever you guys are trying to do, you need to say something in that interpersonal Personal exchange of dialogue through the process of communication with the person who has what you want on the other side and say something not in a manipulative way but say something that gets them to do what you ultimately want that communicative dialogue to get you to, to, to for you to achieve so that you can move on with your life so we have mortality here we have this like overarching abstract concept of death that none of us understand but it, it's gonna happen we're gonna die it's gonna be over like that if, if everything I'm saying is false that's the one thing I know I'm not saying is false. And then on the second hand, we have this concept of, like, in order for us to live, we need to communicate. So at the intersection of mortality and communication, and this is kind of what a lot of my work has been on uh, over the past two years, and when I say work, I mean, like, just thinking about it, because, like, that's, like, I don't know what else to do about it, um, is that communication is the in, uh, communication is the variable that creates a meaningful and purposeful life like you cannot have meaning and purpose in your life if you're not effectively communicating it becomes sort of impossible to have a really effective or meaningful or purposeful existence if you're not able to say anything that is meaningful about it so this means we have to think a little bit about people who communicate in particular ways so we have like beyonce jay-z michael jackson right like international pop sensations their form of communication is not speaking or like what I'm doing right now. Their form of communication is music, uh, LeBron James. His form of communication is not music or speaking, it's playing basketball. So communication is not just speaking or literally talking. Communication is the ability for one to take something out of the depth of their soul and give it to the world in a way that is meaningful and purposeful and if the world reacts to it and if a lot of people react to it, there's a lot of like financial opportunities and just opportunities in general on the backside of that. The problem with that though, and I recognize this pretty selfishly because as a young child at five years old my earliest dream was to be a rock star like, I really wanted to be on stage and be a rock star and do exactly what Michael Jackson did and all that stuff and like by 15 I realized I couldn't sing so I was like oh, fuck I can't be a rock star anymore like that's not gonna work but I recognize that major- the majority of 8 billion people in the world don't have Jay-Z level talent at music and singing and, and that form of communication but almost all of us even if it's in a different language can speak so the cool thing about understanding public speaking is that we can all communicate and we can all communicate our existence in a way that doesn't require natural intrinsic talent and that's what I love about public speaking because you don't need to be talented at it it's all experiential you don't need to have that gifted voice or be 65 in order to communicate your existence to the world you just need to have the willingness to communicate and, and some proper training on how to effectively communicate so that unleashed a whole new idea for me, which is that, okay, we're gonna die, okay, I want to be a rock star one day, I don't have the talent to be a rock star, but I do know how to speak, so is there a way to communicate things that I want to communicate in a way that gives my life meaning and purpose? And because not all of us are talented, but because we all can communicate, that means there is an essence to how we communicate that can create meaning and purpose in our lives, even if it's not fundamentally based in some type of amazing level of talent. So, at that point, I recognize the only thing you can be motivated by, the only thing that actually can motivate you to do something with your life is your mortality, is like the fact that you're gonna die. It is the existential force that drives everything that you do to be able to make uh, a difference in this world. It's kind of like if a tree falls in a forest, did it actually fall, right? Like we don't know if it actually fell, but if no one heard it, maybe it never existed. It's kind of like us. If we don't know that, uh, you can sign in, in, in a second. Or you can sign it now if you want. Um, We don't know... If we existed because we're that tree and if we never said anything about us being here as a tree then we were probably never here I mean technically we were here but we never said it to the world and it's meaningful to be here and not say it to the world but it seems like there's a hell of a lot of purpose and meaning that you leave on the table if you if you don't say it to the world Um, so that really brings up the question of just what does it mean to engage in mortality and communication so this is all gonna get back to you in some way and I promise it's gonna be tangible for you to use and interviews, but I, I kind of have to establish this framework before we like move on because I think this is really important to understand. So, once we recognize we're gonna die, once we recognize nothing matters, therefore everything matters, the, the next question becomes okay, how do we tell s- things about ourselves in a meaningful way that actually bridges the gap between where we are and where we want to be in our lives? And there's this like one thing that I think is so incredible that we can all do that changes the fundamental basis for how we are able to effectively communicate and how we're able to get things done. And it's a word and it starts with an I and it's called introspection. And introspection is a fucking amazing word. And the reason it's an amazing word is because if you look at like Maslow hierarchies of self self needs or or needs in general, um, at the top, at the seventh thing after physical safety, food, all that stuff is like self-actualization, self-awareness. So it seems like the people who are most self-aware are the most actualized, which means they have the, the, the biggest, chance at, like, some level of philosophy or, ha- or, or happiness which can bring them into a higher philosophical realm of thinking, because they know who they are. Well, the only way they know who they are is if they're introspective enough, to be able to come to the conclusion about who they are and introspection is really cool because like you can remember right now at five years old stories about yourself that have that will, will remind you why you're doing what you're doing so kind of at the beginning when I asked you guys like um, you know you guys want to save lives you guys are in the, the health profession it, there's probably something deep inside you and experiences that have happened throughout the course of your life that have made you want to choose this profession it might be your parents saying you have to do this or it might be this feeling of just like I I, I want to help people and not everyone has that feeling and I kind of think you gotta you gotta have that feeling or else you have some weird reasons for why you want to go through this profession because there's so much suffering along the process that if you really want to enjoy it that suffering has to be meaningful right like we all have to suffer we don't get to choose if we suffer or not we get to choose the type of suffering we get to have so the question becomes what stories are locked inside of you or what experiences are locked inside of you that you can bring out And communicate as stories to the world and give it to the world in order to get to where you want to be. And that's where I think introspection comes in. And introspection is a very difficult thing. Um, I'm 22 now and I was 20 and it took me two years to really develop a framework for understanding who I am and I still don't know who I am at 22 but that's uh, constantly evolving. Um, But nonetheless the people who are introspective and the reason I bring this up in the context of public speaking is because it uh, answers two questions for you. A, it allows you to know what to say. And, B, it gives you the urgency to say it. So what I mean by that is when you're public speaking or when you're giving a presentation or when you're doing an interview, and I'm going to get a little bit more deep in interviews in a second, um, you have to know what you want to say in order for you to get the result that you want out of that. So a car salesman, they know what they want to say. They have to, like, say specific things about the car, say specific things about the prices, all that stuff, and then they're going to get what they want, which is the deal out of the car. Um, for us, it comes down to what do we want to say. It's kind of like if you're trying to approach somebody at a bar, there's two reasons why you might might not approach them. A, you don't know what to say. So it's like, even if you go up to them, like you just don't know what to say. You don't know how to like attract them. You don't know how to engage in that interpersonal reaction. And B, because you don't know what to say, you don't have the necessity to actually say it. You don't have the urgency to get up and take the risk and go and try to see if you can get that person at the bar. If you know what to say, then you solve the first problem because like, you know what to say. As soon as you go up to them, you know what you're gonna say. Um, Maybe it's a cheesy pickup line, but nonetheless, you know what you're gonna say. And then B, you okay. Do you have the necessity to actually go do it? Well, the necessity part comes from the mortality part, because if you know you're going to die, you know you have a very limited time to actually say things in this existence that get you to point A to point B. And that's important, because if you don't get from point A to point B, you're stuck in limbo, or you're stuck at point A, and we don't actualize, we don't self-actualize the things that we want. So you have to have this necessity to say it, which is what I think mortality is, and then you have to have, you need to know what to say. Knowing what to say, to me, comes from introspection. Even if it's in such a small dialogue as trying to get someone at a bar or trying to talk at an interview. You have to be introspective enough to know who you are. Introspection to me as a framework translates into are there stories about myself and about my life that I can say in a meaningful way and there's a ton of tactics like effective storytelling and we can get into that in a little bit but that's not really the main point here. The main point here is have you started the process to start thinking about things that you want to say and then communicating them in a way that gets the result you want to get. Um, so I, I, I joined the National USA Debate Team my senior year of high school. I was one of nine people um, picked in the entire country to represent the United States of America in international debate. And I had like five people um, on a webcam interviewing me, and they were throwing like a bunch of questions at me, and I had to answer these questions. And the thing that I think made the difference for me to get on that team against like the thousands of other people that applied for it is I was able to bring up stories about my past, and I was only like 16 or 17 at the time, but I was able to meaningfully talk about things that have happened in my life and this is the introspective part that then translated through effective communicative storytelling about things that have happened in my life that were answers to questions that they asked and they were contextual to the answer to the question they asked that then eventually got me a spot on that team that's why every employer if you look on Google and you type in like analyst or doctor or whatever position it may be outside of all the technical requirements that they need at the very top it's like excellent interpersonal communication skills and the real reason for this is pretty logical. At a company, at a hospital, wherever you're working, you're working with people. So if you can't communicate with people, if you can't talk with people interpersonally in presentations, when you're talking to a managing director of a consulting firm or the top senior resident at a a hospital, you're not going to survive. Like, they're not going to value anything you have to bring, even if you're good at your craft because you don't know how to bring that craft to life. It's like if you build a product but you don't know how to market it. Like, no one's going to buy the product. So the question becomes, are you being introspective enough to create those stories about your life that then get you where you want to go from A to B. And in our modern age, I think social media is amazing, but what it has done is definitely limited our ability to meaningfully communicate um, person to person, because like it all goes down in the DMs nowadays. So that means that if it all goes down in the DMs, companies are paying like like a lot of money, like millions of dollars to third party consulting firms to train their employees to better communicate, right? So there is a big, Market for communication, and you guys are not in that market. But the point is, because there is such a big market, it means that there is such a big demand from all the employers that you guys eventually want to go into or, or, or get their attention um, to be a, to be able to better effectively communicate so this comes down to we talked about a couple things we have mortality so we all know that we're gonna die now right like it's like it's inevitable we're we're gonna die it sucks but it's gonna happen Um, and it doesn't have to suck because it kind of has to motivate us to make this life meaningful we know we're gonna die we know that in order to make meaning and purpose out of the inevitable death that is gonna happen to all of us we have to effectively communicate because it's like why would I even decide to be alive if I'm not saying stuff in this existence and again communication is not just public speaking communication is what creative art form you have that allows you to express yourself it's just that most people aren't talented in any creative art form but most people pretty much all people can communicate which is why I'm such a big proponent of public speaking selfishly because I was I wasn't talented but nonetheless it's still very true um, and we know that you have to be introspective to get to where you want to be this leads us to like the magic question I guess the reason why I'm here today is how can you better effectively prepare for an interview um, and and I guess here's the answer and I'm give a story under it and I think it'll help contextualize what uh, the goal of this is. In an interview, you are in a position where someone of higher authority, whether they are a senior resident, whether they are an employer, has all the leverage because they, you want something from them. And in order for you to get something from them, you have to impress them or do something in some capacity that gets their attention to actually care about you. The way to win in an interview, and I'll give you a little story about how um, I kind of won in an interview after that, is to just switch the dynamics of leverage. You need to get that person to give a shit about you in some capacity so that they forget all the basic boring questions they were gonna ask and start diving deep into the stories that you're telling them because they're so interested about those stories which means there's a level of just art involved in talking when they ask tell me about yourself or tell me about blah 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 that gets them to say alright I want to talk to this person more and dive deeper into this discussion because this discussion is going to produce something that I think has a hint of potential which will allow me to then hire them or actually care about this person um, going forward it'll actually make these 30 minutes meaningful as I try to interview them so the question The question becomes what can you say in those first couple minutes that switches the leverage back to you. And this is a very tangible thing to do. Just because this person is worth millions as a CEO, whatever, doesn't mean that you don't have any leverage. Because you're the one willing to offer your services to them. Whether it's a graduate school or whether it's a company. The question becomes how do you stand out from everybody else and actually be able to uh, offer your services in a way that's meaningful enough. It goes back to A, introspection. If you know who you are, then you know stories about yourself and experiences about yourself that you can meaningfully communicate to that interviewer that can get them to care about you. But B, to get to introspection, I feel fundamentally you have to be motivated by mortality. And I feel like some people say this is a stretch, but I really think that getting over the fear of public speaking, which again, isn't just what I'm doing here, but it's more so communicating authentically and genuinely in the situations where you need to communicate is about recognizing that you have to communicate because you're going to die, and if you don't communicate, you're not going to get things done. Which means if you have to communicate because you're going to die, you need to figure out what to say. And in order to figure out what you're going to say, you have to be introspective enough to tell stories about yourself that are meaningful enough to actually get what you want to say across in the points that you need to get them across to the people that you care about. So, the main story here that I was going to go into is uh, I was getting interviewed by a venture capitalist at one point, um, and this was in this this was a lo- this was the previous summer. Now he had a nine month, not a nine month, like a, a nine Internship over the summer at his venture capital firm. I think this guy has like an assets of like 30 million or whatever. I didn't want to work there. I just wanted to get on an interview because I, I, I already had something ready for the summer, so I couldn't even join the company. Um, but I did want to get into the interview just to like test out the interview process and see if like I could communicate my way into actually getting this. So the interview starts and he, and he, and he says, Tell me about yourself, and it goes in for two, four, or five minutes. And eventually, um, I bring up the fact that I was like the 7th best debater in the country in 2016. And that immediately, he's like, okay, I, I want to talk more about this. And then we start getting into the discussion and then he starts asking me more about how you were the best debater in the country. And then I start talking about um, some of my favorite debate rounds and like some of the crazy things that happened in those debate rounds and the arguments I was making and how I got to be like a, like a really, uh, you know, top notch debater in the country. And what I had done at that moment was switch the entire communicative leverage into this guy has all the leverage, he has $30 million in assets, but he cares about some 21-year-old kid because he was able to communicate a story about his life that was meaningful enough for this guy to actually care. Because in venture capital world, and like the business world, like all they value is communication. It's like, can you sell? Can you say stuff? Can you say stuff meaningfully? And in those first five minutes of the interview, there was so much depth to what I was saying about my life, right? And it doesn't have to be about accomplishments, it just has to be something about your life that actually got him to care. Uh, so in terms of technical story elements, there was a hook, and you need a hook at the beginning of any story that you're telling to actually get people to care about what you're saying. A- every song has a hook, every movie has a hook, every book, the first couple words in the, f- in the first page of chapter one has a hook, because getting people's attention is the biggest asset that we have in 2020, um, especially with social media, right? That's why we care about likes and followers. The more followers we have, the more we're going to get from those followers, which means the more attention we're going to get, which means we're going to feel better about ourselves. Um, but Hopefully not like do bad things to ourselves, which is why Instagram had to remove the number of likes to, from being public. But nonetheless, like th- like we need and we care about attention at that point. So the interview is going really well. Here's why I know it went really well because at one point we get deep into the discussion, right? And then he starts asking me about what I'm doing on the side, and I told him I'm building a company and it's like a consulting firm and all this stuff. And for some reason, I think his name was Steve. I don't know why Steve wanted to like give me advice on how to build the company. I thought he was like interviewing me to like join his company. So he starts giving me all this advice and it's like bad advice in my opinion, like this is horrible advice. And so I, I voiced my opinion because I'm someone who talks and I'm just like, yeah, no, it's Steve, I disagree with you on this because like blah, blah, blah. So we start getting into discussion, Dan into discussion. And then at one point, like he says something and I'm like, Steve, th- like this is wrong and, here- and I just want you to listen to my argument and then I want to hear a response so I lay out my argument for like two minutes straight I'm like this 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 and this means you're wrong or like you're not really correct and then he comes back with you know what Amit I've been in this for 30 years so I think you just need to respect what I'm saying and at that moment I'm just like how badly do I want this internship I'm like well I don't even want this internship so I'm like you know Steve quite frankly I don't care that you've been in this business for 30 years like you're absolutely wrong and then the mood of the interview completely switches he's just like all all right, I guess you don't care and I'm like no I really don't care because it seems like you haven't learned much in 30 years like this is a bad argument because when you're not answering someone's argument and you're resulting back to age as the basis for your foundation that to me is just it's just lazy like if you're if you're if you're 50 years old you've been doing this for 30 years you should be able to attack an argument you don't shouldn't just rely on your age experience um, so I didn't get that internship but nonetheless uh, and and that's that's just to say that interview it didn't go wrong for me it kind of highlighted to me even more because again I never even wanted it how how uh, in-depth someone can be attracted to the stories and messages that you have to say if it's coming from a genuine perspective of knowing yourself and how much they can get enwrapped in it to the point where he didn't even think it was an interview he just thought it was a real conversation now obviously if I like you know kissed his ass I would have probably done it I would have accepted his arguments I'm like oh my god thank you for teaching me about this like it's really made me have a profound vision about where I was going and now I'm gonna take this and do you think I could work at your company so you can mentor me even more like I promise I would have got that position at that point but nonetheless I um wasn't willing to do that. So the whole point of that story is like, to me, that shows that in an interview, you're just playing a game of who has more leverage in the conversation. And the way to get more leverage in the conversation is to be genuine and authentic in the pursuit of what you're trying to say with an incentive that is not manipulative, but it's hidden at the core, which is, can I get this person to ask me a follow-up question about this experience? Because as soon as they do that, and then you're able to bring them into your side of the corner or your side of the aisle then they stop forgetting they stop thinking it's an interview outside of all the technical stuff right and they start recognizing that this person has the ability to attract me and get my attention within the first couple minutes and actually say stuff that's meaningful enough to get me to care and for all of you I'm not sure what what uh, interview questions health professional uh, industries ask but nonetheless I'm assuming at some level they're gonna ask why you're doing this why, why you care about saving people's um, lives and and what's the purpose of any of this and I mean that's a really profound thing developing a purpose led life is something that everyone wants but no one or very few people is willing to put in the work the mental work it takes of of introspection to be able to develop a framework of purpose and meaning that that they can believe in and then and then secondly that they can actually say in a way that's meaningful enough to other people for them to believe in that vision and then get them the results they want to get because you can have a purpose-driven life but again if you can't talk about what that purpose purpose is or why it's purposeful, um, you're probably not going to get a lot of results from the desired audience that cares about what you're trying to do. So, yeah, nonetheless, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the broad theory of it. I think motivated by mortality, to me, is a framework that everyone should adopt if they're trying to get over their fear of public speaking or communication. In order to do that, you have to be introspective. In order to be introspective, you have to have, in my opinion, an existential crisis with yourself as soon as possible. I had it at 20. Yeah, I'm serious. I had it at 20, and I, and I started buying self-help books on Amazon, and like, fucking Amazon. You buy one, and they have this bundle of three. You save five bucks. You're like, all right, I'll get those three, and those titles sound good. It's like, chase your dream. I'm like, yeah, I should read a book about how to chase my dreams. Then they're like, buy a bundle of six, you'll save 20 bucks. I'm like, all right, fine, buy Amazon, you got it. I'm gonna buy a bundle of six. I had 20 books. From July till September 2018 and I read each one of these books and again the message in all of these books at its very core was you're gonna die and they all didn't explicitly talk about that but uh, to me it was just like all of them are talking about all of these things about meaning and purpose and it stems from an understanding that we are not here forever and like I just I just feel people don't remember that and I don't even remember that every day but if we start to remember that you can start to have an existential crisis which allows you to recognize the nature of your existence is predicated upon having a meaningful and purposeful life, which means to develop a meaning and purpose, you have to communicate why the fuck you're doing what you're doing. And some of you guys might not even be health professionals anymore if you have an existential crisis. I don't know. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. But nonetheless, it, it, it completely changes the arc of your life. And once that happens, I think then, and really only then can you become an effective communicator. Like, you all are probably good at communication right now. I, I highly doubt you guys suck at presentations in class or you just, like, don't know how to talk on a, off a PowerPoint and stuff. Maybe you do, but I'm pretty sure like juniors and high school, seniors in high school, you guys aren't horrible at that. This is about taking it to a level at which people actually are attracted to the way you're communicating so that you don't just give a PowerPoint presentation to get an A, but you're giving a PowerPoint presentation to have an impact on the people you're talking to, which is what I've been doing since seventh grade. Like Since seventh grade, I never cared about the grade of a presentation, but I would stay up all night developing a shitty slide deck, but planning out what the presentation would look like, because I just wanted to impress the audience. I just always cared about having an impact on the people I'm talking to. Which is why, to me, communication really is a selfless act. Like, selfishly, you want something out of that exchange. It might be a job in the process of an interview, but selflessly, you're really just trying to get this person to understand your perspective and worldview in a way that is interesting enough for them to care about it, which then ultimately gets you something at at the end of the day. Um, yeah, so that's my tips on how to better effectively communicate and be better. Thank you guys for listening.